Welcome everyone to today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. My name is Philip King Lowe. I am the owner, producer, and host, and I am an autistic adult. Thank you so very much for listening. Today's Autistic Moment is a member of the National Podcast Association. Today's Autistic Moment is always a free-to-listen-to podcast that gives autistic adults access to important information, helps us learn about our barriers to discover the strengths and tools we already have to use for the work of self-advocacy. This first segment of today's Autistic Moment is sponsored by the Autism Society of Minnesota, Minnesota's first autism resource. For over 50 years, the Autism Society of Minnesota has been honored to support Minnesota's autism community. Visit them online at AUSM.org. Please go to the new podcast episodes page of todaysautisticmoment.com where you will find the lineup for the new shows with a description of each show from now through the end of May. When I publish new shows, you can click on the title and guest of each show to listen to the episodes. You will also find the program script that includes all of the hyperlinks that I mention on each show, and the interview transcript links will be available to download. Interview transcripts for 2022 are sponsored by Minnesota Independence College and Community. If you wish to listen to all of the previous episodes, including the 24 shows for 2021, go to the episode index page. Also, be sure to follow Today's Autistic Moment on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Please join Today's Autistic Moment community group page on Facebook, where you can talk with me and other listeners. Please visit my homepage for todaysautisticmoment.com. There is a video there entitled, What is Autism, Really? This video was made by Sarah Hamill and Stephanie A. Izzy. In the video, Sarah explains what autism is from the point of view of the neurodiversity positive movement. The video is a great explanation of what the work of Today's Autistic Moment is attempting to do. Applications for the next Autistic Voices Roundtable Discussion on May 25th will be accepted beginning on April 1st through April 29th. The topic for that roundtable discussion will be the truth about ABA Applied Behavioral Analysis Therapy. I know this is a very sensitive and controversial topic. Because Autistic Voices Roundtable is for Autistic Voices only, only Autistic individuals may apply and be considered to be panelists. I cannot accept parents, caregivers, professionals that are neurotypical. Among the problems with topics like this is that the conversations about them have often excluded the feelings and input of Autistic people. The time has come for autistic people to use their voices to address the concerns we have 
so that our concerns can become part of the public dialogue. I can only have four to six panelists because the discussion is only one hour long. I am looking for a diversity of autistic individuals from different races, genders, sexual orientations, and identities who have been clients to receive ABA therapy. Remember that roundtable discussions are a group of people sharing their information and experiences with each other. Roundtable discussions are not an occasion for debate or for persuading anyone towards one, anyone's point of view. Please visit todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash autistic voices forward slash for more information. Applications will be available as of April 1st and will be accepted through April 29th. Today, I am pleased to have Michelle Newman on the show. Michelle Newman was diagnosed with autism at the age of 54 after 35 years of psychiatric misdiagnoses and medications that were harmful. Michelle will share with us about the enormous challenges of being a woman in her postmenopausal years with many doctors being unaware of how the chemical changes in their brains and how autism affects their response to certain medications and other treatments. Michelle's diagnosis of autism was a changing point in her life. However, the medical community has yet to catch up with aging autistic adults, including postmenopausal women. I want to prepare my listeners by saying that some of what Michelle shares in her conversation with me may be triggering. Michelle has lived through the 1970s, 80s, and 90s when the information about many health conditions, including autism, was a lot more limited than it is now. While a lot of progress has been made, there is still a lot of misinformation about autism autistic people, and autistic postmenopausal women that has not caught up to the times we are living in now. While hardly any news stories or podcasts are focused on what happens with autistic postmenopausal women, today's autistic moment wants to break the silence and ignorance to help us all do some hard, robust advocacy that brings the neurodiversity of women into the forefront of the autism conversation. After this first commercial break, Michelle will be introduced and tell us of her remarkable journey. Please stay tuned. Today's Autistic Moment can be downloaded and heard on Anchor FM, Apple, Google Play, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, TuneIn, 
Overcast, and Stitcher. The most important work that people do is take care of each other and the people who provide your care should have the best support. Life Superior is here to help you and your caretakers. This family-owned business is one of Minnesota's fastest-growing personal care providers because of the support they provide for their clients and co-workers. If you need a PCA agency that combines compassion and professionalism, or if you care for someone today and would like to learn how to get paid for this work, please call us at 612-824-4348 or visit us at lifesuperior.com forward slash autism. Support for today's autistic moment comes from Best Care Home Care Agency. Best Care offers PCA choice, homemaking, and 245D services throughout the metro and greater Minnesota. Visit their website, bestcaremn.com, to learn more about their services. Welcome back. And now it is my privilege to ask you to join me in welcoming Michelle Newman as we begin this important conversation about autistic postmenopausal women. Michelle Newman, it is my pleasure to welcome you to this episode of today's autistic moment. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I really appreciate being able to connect and um, have this opportunity because I'd been advocating for adults with little response for five years and then I kind of gave up and um, you know I just see that it's only kids or until age 30 that really any attention is paid and um, those of us who are older that have survived it have a story to tell. And, and Absolutely. Glad yeah, to have opportunity. yeah, you're welcome. I, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, um, as we've been talking before we began the interview, I had that conversation with Dr. Teresa Regan a year ago about aging autistic adults, what we needed yesterday. And, you know, um, she fully acknowledged that when it comes to autistic adults over the age of 50, as a general ballpark number, um, that there is so little information that we have available for that. But when we talk especially about women, uh, postmenopausal women, um, 
there are there's so much I'm sure that we could discuss that that I'm going to take the risk and say nobody is really talking about, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation with you. So let us begin with my first question: What important information do autistic adults and our caregivers need to know about when we talk about autistic postmenopausal women? Go ahead. Okay. Um... Number one is uh, women are not diagnosed as frequently as men are because it was always thought of as a male um, dis disorder until recently. And then um, because our body, when we go through menopause, our chemistry changes mm -hmm. a lot. And because medical professionals that even understand autism really don't know the nuances or the differences between um, a guy with autism versus a woman with autism. And so there's this kind of barrier. And I fought hard for the last 10, 15 years to get medical professionals to take me seriously. Mm -hmm. about, um, you, you know, I'm not your normal patient. You can just throw out the window all the diagnosis and all the, the um, you know, testing for non-autistic people because, and, and don't consider me that I'm, everything's normal. And, and nice. so, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that brings up a lot of points. Um, you know, um, in the episode that um, I released in late February, um, Benjamin Christmas, we were talking about trauma and unavoidable consequence. And you're highlighting a little bit of that when we say that the world is just not made for autistic people. It's made for a neurotypical group of people. And when it comes to uh, women who are, are, are past the point of menopause, you know, we're talking about a whole group of autistics that, that where there's ageism, as well as the um, the ignorance of autistic women there. Um, so I'm sure we could talk talk a lot about that, but um, let us um, let us indeed talk a little bit more in depth about that if you wish. Okay, number one, you know, becoming postmenopausal, um, a woman's body chemistry changes. Uh, it's different for every woman, like, um, like autism, you know, one person with autism is one person with autism. And so um, throughout my, for 35 years before I went through menopause, I was given all these psychiatric diagnoses. And I mean, I didn't even have a diagnosis of ADHD or generalized anxiety disorder, but I had so many others that they were feeding me neuroleptic and um, antipsychotic and psychotropic drugs. And because only at age 58 did I find I, a lot of my GI problems were related to a metabolic malabsorption disorder. And so my body, especially my liver, does not process medications or oral medications um, like most people. And, and so, I mean, I found out that uh, in 2014, I had um, a serious vitamin D3 um, deficiency where 
my level was at 19 when first tested and the normal low end is 30. Um, and so I was on 10,000 international units for a day for three years to get it just to a, a low um, normal level. And, um, and, you know, I had deficiencies of B12, but um, after that, I found out that um, my body does not process or activate foods that have B6 in it, which has a lot to do with how your brain functions. Yep. And so in 2016, um, the doctor I had then had done a urine test and it came back positive for pyroli disorder or pyroluria, which a lot of schizophrenics and people with autism tend to have. And I mean, the B6 goes straight out through our urine. And so I've been on zinc and um, um, B6 activated B6 since 2016. And I mean, that was right when I was having my uh, assessment for autism. And I just, I couldn't think or process. I knew what I wanted to say, but I couldn't get the words out. And it was right after that assessment that I found out I had this disorder. I mean, I was having all these little brain farts. <laughs> you know, I was intelligent, yeah. but I couldn't think intelligently. And that's just some of them. But getting back to all the psych meds that I was fed high dosages of um, before, I mean, premenopausal for 35 years, all of a sudden, when I go through menopause, I start developing hypersensitivities to many drugs that um, I was on in my 20s and, and 30s. And uh, I had like one allergy and one hypersensitivity prior to menopause. Now I have 45. Wow. And um, every year, like last year, it was antibiotics. And, and so antibiotics that was working, like Augmentin used a lot, but um, in 2016 or 17, I became hypersensitive to that. Mm. And um, if I, you know, Cipro, uh, my body has a response. And, and so um, I don't have normal allergies, but um, I've developed all these hypersensitivities to um, prescription meds and also they've been building for um, like cigarettes. I had a second sinus surgery in 2011 and I'd been around cigarette smoke my entire life, but now I can go into a severe asthma attack. And, and so um, it's, it's just learning how our body reacts. And as a woman, even postmenopausal, my body is constantly changing. Right. As I was exposed to something in a previous apartment um, and it, it was triggering all, a bunch of stuff and whatever it was, it's followed me to a new apartment that I moved to and are having severe medical issues right now with, but it's, it's regarding dust and normal particulates in the air that never bothered me. Yep. And, and so trying to get medical professionals to understand even when i do the research a lot of research you know it's been done on kids but you don't grow out of it you know no, if, if no. kids have this it's a problem you have to consider with us like constantly battling 
you know, sleep disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you, um, when, when you were diagnosed, um, and would you repeat, how old were you when you were diagnosed with autism? Um, I self-diagnosed at age 52, but I was professionally diagnosed at age 60 when I was trying to be, uh, when I was applying for um, employment assistance through the state um, rehabilitation um, division. Yeah. Let me ask you, when you received that diagnosis, what was that like for you? It was two days of intense intelligence and mental health testing because at age 60, they couldn't assess me using the adult ADOT Uh, program because, I mean, my mom had already passed away. I had only one sibling. You know, my father died when I was in high school. And and so the only family member um, was my younger sister who lived a thousand miles away in, in California. And so, and, and by then I didn't have any close friends um, left with all my moving around. So there was nobody to interview. So they gave me intelligence testing. They gave me a battery of psych testing. Uh, That first day I was there from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. And I came away with such a migraine or cluster headache. Um, And then the next day I went back, it was only four hours. But that was mostly the interview um, aspect of it. And and so he he did diagnose me with ASD and generalized anxiety disorder, but also comorbidities of schizophrenia and major depression disorder and all those others that I had ever since I was in my 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. Well, um, one one reason I asked that question because many of us are, are adults when we're diagnosed um it's fair to say that that diagnosis rewrites our life history well i mean that was the biggest aha moment in in my life because all of a sudden once i started reading about autism actually i told my psychiatrist because i was um on a psych unit at the university hospital and they said that um they mentioned about being a savant and mm. I told my psychiatrist said well that you know that's ridiculous you don't uh, a savant you have to be autistic and you're not autistic and oh. that, that that just shows how ignorant you know a lot of professionals yeah, are absolutely and so I started reading on it I, I was living in a um, temporary housing and only access was with the bus line and so I'd spend my days in the, the public library or at Barnes and Noble, and I read about all this stuff. And um, savants, only about 20% actually have autism. Mm. And so, yeah. um, but it, it, like I said, I, I could look back on my life and even pictures and stuff. And once I understood autism, I... I had issues before I was in kindergarten. After this next commercial break, Michelle will share some more of her powerful story, including about her many medical diagnoses and other misdiagnoses, medications, and her experience with doctors, as well as talk about some great things 
that all of us can do for the work of self-advocacy on behalf of autistic postmenopausal women. Please stay tuned. Support comes from Minnesota Independence College and Community, a life and career skills program for young adults with autism and learning differences. Help a young adult take a step towards their independence and a vibrant life. Learn more at miccommunity.org. Go to the homepage for todaysautisticmoment.com and scroll down to buy yourself a Today's Autistic Spinner Fidget. These really fun spinner fidgets are a great visual distraction that helps regulate your eyes and will give you hours of stimming pleasure. They are purple in color with the logo for Today's Autistic Moment on them. They are on sale for only $4.99 each plus sales tax, shipping and handling. They are a perfect gift for any autistic child or adult. Also, please click on the blue button to become a patron to support the work of today's autistic moment through my Patreon page. Please share episodes through your social media networks to help spread the word that today's autistic moment is here for autistic adults and their caregivers. Thank you for listening to and supporting today's autistic moment. Looking Forward Life Coaching is a Twin Cities-based nonprofit that provides mentorship and coaching for individuals, couples, and families, either face-to-face or virtually. Some areas that Looking Forward Life Coaching can provide services are organizational skills, time management, employment coaching, relationship coaching, and many more. Our coaches are trained in person-centered approaches, and we can provide person-centered plans with obtainable goals. We accept all waivers from the state of Minnesota, with the exception of elderly. We also have reduced rates and scholarships for private pay. If you would like more information or schedule a free meet and greet, visit our website at www.lookingforwardlc.org or call us at 612-504-7414. Looking Forward Life Coaching helps change stumbling blocks of life into stepping stones towards success.
Well, we're already talking about many, many barriers, but I have to ask the question because that's part of my show. It's yeah. um, for um, autistic postmenopausal women, uh, and and we've just named so many of them medical professionals who are not trained, um, and also some of the misperceptions about women and being diagnosed with autism. And we have, I mean, so many things, ageism being one of the, another major one. I mean, my conversation with uh, Dr. Teresa Regan a year ago was aging autistic adults, what we needed yesterday. The things that I hear you talking about that you needed, and I'm willing to bet many autistic postmenopausal women, the things you need, you needed them yesterday, well before today. But getting those things, getting those resources, getting those services, it's just so uh, complicated, as to say the very least. I mean, how do you how do you um, make a plan for your life? You know, when the resources that you need just aren't there. Well, right. I mean, um, I I was already on SSDI um, when I even self-diagnosed. It was a lethal overdose that miraculously I recovered from um, in 2005. At right, you know, one day after my 50, um, 51st birthday, and um, that's. I mean, I, I became a test subject in the psych hospital that I spent 21 days in, but they never say anything like that. But, you know, just I understand enough about medicine and myself that I kind of know, and I've done a lot of research because I've done some writing and I kind of know where to look. But another problem is not just medical catching up. I mean, I've, I've lived with um, autoimmune dysfunction um, my entire life and my gut is the, the biggest place but another place that I'm having problems with is my communications even though right I write a lot and I speak you know pretty intelligently um, I can speak circles around myself I go to a doctor's appointment and I have a list of three things to cover and if the doctor says one asks me one question then it throws me on another tangent. And uh, by the end of the appointment, I'm lucky to have covered one of those issues because even a word will pop into my head and it'll send me a 180, you know, a, yeah. a different direction, which is I've noticed it more and more as I've gotten older. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, boy, I, 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 I hear you, you know, um, you know, even when I go to my doctors, I have to do my own share of, of uh, educating my, my doctors too. And contrary to what, how things are, you know, it's really not incumbent upon us to inform our doctors about our autism and that sort of thing, because really that's their job to, to have learned and understood about it. But, you know, the medical, the medical field as in medical professionals, as in doctors and that sort of thing are so far behind. Um, even in my case, I'll say, 
I have gone to neurologists. These are people who are supposed to be experts on the brain and how the brain and the body react. They don't, there's no guarantee that even they understand how autism affects your neurological um, communication with your body. It's just incredible, isn't it? Yeah, well, and, and I've had that same problem. I mean, in my 20s and 30s, I mean, I was seeing, seeing a neurologist on a regular basis starting around 1990. And I had a lot of the symptoms for neuropathy, but I'm not diabetic. And um, so, I, you know, at least once a year, he was doing a, um, a nerve conduction study or um, an EMG um, on my hands and once on my feet. And it was coming back borderline neuropathy or not, it was, it was normal. And so finally I saw a new neurologist in um, 2011 and she said, well, you know, treatment's not gonna be that much difference, but maybe you have what's called small fiber neuropathy. And so she sent me to another neurologist to do um, a skin biopsy and sent it in and sure enough it came back as small fiber neuropathy um you know gabapentin or, or neurotin is one treatment and then the lyrica but i'm sensitive to lyrica and um and now i'm sensitive to gabapentin it wasn't just doing anything for me but i just went through a week of inpatient um epilepsy um monitoring at a local hospital because in August, I started having these zapping seizures. Um, earlier in my 30s, they were called complex partial seizures. Now I guess they're just petty mal seizures. But um, and I was diagnosed with epileptiform seizures. But then um, I was at Boston Beth Israel in 1986 for three weeks and continuous monitoring, and I even had a seizure in. Um, you know, when they were doing an EG, but um, in 82, I had, when I had epilepsy, I was, um, I had eight ECT treatments, CHOP treatments, and my, I guess my body correlated, because um, you have a seizure, a, a grand mal seizure during a, a treatment, and my body just thinks, okay, that is a good way to get rid of stress. And I was always under a lot of stress. Yeah. And, and so I started having these um, grand mal seizures whenever, um, you know, I got overly stressed. And so I got accepted in, into a research project at National Institute of Health, um, which was with mental health, um, National Mental Health. And it was for, at that time, I was diagnosed with multiple personality disorder or DID which is now I see as masking, um, no, no. autism masking. And, um, and I came out of there. In fact, I was one of the first people that they did some brain mapping on back in 86. Yeah. But yeah. Um, they, they said, you know, your seizures are not epileptiform. And it was me after I got out back um, that I realized it was the, the um, shock treatments that triggered my body into, hey, this is a good way to get rid of stress. And, and so um, with the development of these return of these seizures uh, because of the exposure to the airborne stuff in my apartment, 
Um, but then when Dr. Reed had presented her four-part series uh, recently on dysregulation, one thing she mentioned as, as a way of coping or trying to normalize your body, because I'm a control freak. And, you know, I have to have control of my environment. And that's not realistic when you're living in public housing. But, you know, my stability is based on being able to control my physical being. And for the last six months, there's been no control and, and yeah. understanding by my doctors. So, but the, the zapping is related to dysregulation since. Well, in some cases, that was probably probably contributing to the dysregulation, uh, but yeah, those those treatments are are not something we I promote by any means. I want to give one piece of information here that that um, for you, but also other autistic individuals. Um, my own personal psychiatrist is actually pretty is 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 absolutely excellent with understanding autism as well as how autism works with medications and that sort of thing. Um, and he shared with me that, um, that autism can cause some medications to work paradoxically. Now, this is coming from an experience of my own. Uh, a few years back, I had carpal tunnel surgery on my on my right wrist, and the surgeon put me on a narcotic painkiller to to help with the pain. And my anxiety went crazy, absolutely crazy. And so, I thought it was just maybe <clears throat> the medicine was interacting with my anti-anxiety medicines and something was just off. When I went to see my psychiatrist, he said to me, he said to me, oh no, that's not what happened at all. Your autism caused that medication to work paradoxically to how it is supposed to work. And, you know, he said, you weren't high and you weren't, you weren't, you know, he said, your autism impacted how the medicine worked with your body, not the other way around. And I just find that so interesting. So that's why it's really important to, to um, really important to have a, as clear of an understanding as one personally can about how medications and, and autism work together. My final question, of course, is about self-advocacy. Um, what steps should autistic adults and our supporters take to advocate for our needs. And there is so much work to be done in the area of self-advocacy um, for autistic adults above the age of 18 and beyond. The self-advocacy that needs to be done between the ages of say 18 and 49 is, is tremendous. But let's be perfectly, um, up front in saying we need robust advocacy when it comes to um, autistic most postmenopausal women as well and I'm and I'm going to throw it in for autistic adults all of us over the age of 50 
there is just so much work to be done. And, you know, part of my, my own personal emotion about this subject is just that, um, you know, I being in my 50, my own 50s, I have to say, as I look to whatever future I've got, and the things that um, the advocacy that has not been done on behalf of many of us over the age of 50, that that future has me very, very, very concerned about what, what kind of a future I will have. And so um, to say that we need robust advocacy, we really do need some very robust and strategic and effective advocacy um, for postmenopausal women. To help answer this question, can you share with us what are some ways that you have advocated for yourself that you have found particularly helpful um, or that have made things a little easier for you in, in any way, shape, or form? Go ahead. Well, uh, my problem is even when I was young, um, my life, I knew I was different and that the only purpose of my life was to help or serve others. So I did a lot of volunteering. And even so, when I learned I had autism or self-diagnosed with autism, um, state of Colorado had just passed legislation for a 10-year strategic plan to improve um, supports for all families and individuals with autism in the state of Colorado. I was advocating as an adult for adults on that ad hoc committee to the Disability Council for five years. And, um, you know, my emphasis was adults and I got accepted for three poster sessions at the Association for University Centers on Disabilities in Washington, DC. Um, three poster sessions in, in two, two separate years. Um, and I could talk till I was blue in the face and everybody was giving me polite nods or acknowledgement, but it went in one year and out the other. And the focus still was on children, early um, mm -hmm. diagnosis. And the state finally, I mean, it was a 10 year strategic plan, which ended in, in 2019. And the best they got was uh, an employment first program, you know, that would help adults with IDD to age 27. But after 27, there's nothing um, except last year. Um, I did an annual, um, it was an annual interviewee or participant with the um, Colorado State, I mean, Colorado um, School of Medicine, where um, medical students in their second year and psych rotation, they would, on, on one day, they would interview parents or individuals with autism. And I did that for five years. And, for you. Um, you, you know, it, it's like, well, are you suicidal? Because I'm talking about, and, you know, there's no hope for me. And um, it's, I can, I can advocate for other adults on the spectrum and be firm but when it resorts to me i get all emotional and and mm -hmm. and and um i'm all over the place and like even now um advocating with public housing i mean that's another thing when we get older 
if we've yep. been independent, you know, the elder abuse laws only um, go for people that are in constant, um, you know, home care or in a nursing home or something like that. It doesn't, um, there's no consideration for adults who are disabled when someone like, like a public housing authority is abusive. And because um, that, and, and that's one thing I plan to do is go to the state legislature or federal legislature that they got to change these elder abuse laws. It's not only happening to me who has a disability, but I saw it happening to all seniors, yes, low-income in, low seniors, and and it's just sad that we work and and especially the baby boomers. We've given so much to our communities and stuff, and now we're like throwaways. Yeah, yeah, but you know, even though you may find it hard to um, advocate for yourself, at least directly um your advocacy that you do behind the scenes um does have the possibility of impacting the people in your in your um in your age group um so there's some things that um um have been said actually by dr regan and um actually Tess Cronby said, as we were talking about eating disorders, some of what you can do as part of your personal advocacy is you can, um, if you're going to a doctor, you can prepare um, a list of things you want to address and you can bring that to with your doctor and give that to your doctor so he will, he will take a look at them. Um, you know, you can also have sometimes an aide there to assist you with, with um, helping you, you know, um, either someone from the doctor's office or, or um, if you're able to access those services can help um, communicate on your behalf. Um, because while we want um, doctors to uh, to be more knowledgeable and better trained about working with autistic individuals. There is no substitute really for doctors to hear it directly from us about how it's actually impacting us personally. So um, as you know, I've been a, a strong advocate for telling our stories and it's important that um, as you work through the issues that affect postmenopausal women that you you tell your stories tell tell your doctors the people you work around that this is how this is affecting me um and i know that's really difficult because um you get a fair amount of people just questioning you as to whether you really understand what's going on with yourself um and the thing is is that You've been living in your body a lot longer than they have, so definitely. Every now, every, every now and then, you just need to make make the make the point that hey, you know, I've been living in my body a lot longer than you've been treating it. So please give me some benefit that I know what's going on with my own body here, um, you know. And so, um, you know, um, 
it's ironic, really, that autistics have this problem with communicating. And yet when it comes to receiving the care we need, especially over the age of 50 and so on, we actually have to do our own communicating with, with a fair amount of people who don't even, don't even listen or pay attention. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's, that's it. Like my new primary care doctor I've had for a little over a year now. Um, I, I joined in 2019 um, a local PACE program, which is a program of all-inclusive care for the elderly. Um, if you're 50 or over, usually, and disabled, you can usually get into those programs. But for me, because um, I have Medicare and Medicaid, I get in, I have absolutely no co-pays, but what's great about the organization is truly integrative care, where they have a transportation department that schedules all of my transportation to and from medical appointments, um, handles and processes all prescriptions, makes schedules all my appointments with the clinic and with specialists. Um, there's a lot of frustrations with that, but not any more than what I had when I had United Healthcare but they actually do all the processing, annual renewal of my Medicaid um, benefits. And I'm on a long-term um, waiver for elderly people. Yeah. And so, I mean, I get all this stuff. Whereas when you're on Medicare, you have a 2000 limit on these Medicare rewards program. Whereas um, I ask for it and then they review it at the medical with the medical team. And like, I'm getting, a home water distiller, um, countertop distiller, because I have CPAP and I also do sinus rinses and that all uses um, distilled water. And there's been a shortage a few times and the price has gone up because of the shortages. And so um, it, it's those things. And I mean, trying to advocate for myself and then doctors do something and they don't, I don't improve. Then I get a certified letter saying that um, you're too complex and um, you, you need to find someone else because I, I just, I can't treat you anymore. I've gotten three letters. Oh boy. And so one of them, when I was a patient at University Hospital, I sent an email um, to the, the patient care representative. I sent it on a Sunday and by Monday night, and it was saying the same thing. I talked to her verbally, but put it in writing. I mean, I had Denver police officers knocking on my apartment door with a copy of this email in hand, but they never read the second page. Oh, they dear. I was going to set off a bomb at oh. the hospital. Oh, dear. You know, I'm overweight and I have to get, I get around only with a walker. Um, and, 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 you know, the rationality and, and stuff, but I've also found that doctors, have big egos yes and it's hard to find one that um when you tell them you know more about your body and medicine because you know a lot of people on the spectrum have intense special interests and for for 30 years my special interest has been my health and physiology and biomedical concerns more focused to me but i've always had an interest in microbiology or biology since junior high. 
Yeah, and, yeah. And so, you know, I'm just incorporating it to do all this research and, and get this information. But half the time, they, they don't listen. They don't have time to even read a three-page, you know, yeah. research paper. After this final commercial break, I will thank Michelle for joining us today and give some resource links that you can look at, followed by today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Please stay tuned. Self-direction has many different names. Self-determination, consumer direction, and even PDO. But they all mean the same thing. You are in control of your long-term care. With self-direction, choose what's best for you. Hire the people that you trust. In some states, they can even be your family. Manage your long-term care expenses. Self-direction offers the same or lower cost than other options. Control your care and choose the support that is most important to you. You deserve to be supported in your home and community, surrounded by friends and activities you love. With self-direction, you can live life on your own terms, regardless of age or ability. Take control of your care. Visit gtindependence.com. Today's Autistic Moment is proud and honored to celebrate Autism Acceptance Month in April. Please visit todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash blog forward slash to read my most recent post, Autistics Claim Autism Acceptance Month. If you are wondering why we are changing from autism awareness to autism acceptance, please go to the episode index page and listen to the episode, Autistic Adults and Autism Acceptance in April 2021. Autism Acceptance Month will begin with my very special guest, Eric Garcia, author of We're Not Broken, Changing the Autism Conversation. This show will air on Autism Acceptance Day on Saturday, April 2nd, 2022. Eric's book, We're Not Broken, begins with a great chapter about the history of understanding autism, the setbacks and progress of public policy and theories about autism that includes Eric's story of accepting his own autism. On April 18th, I will be sharing a very special show with my guest, Ben Levin, entitled Autism is Not a Curse. Ben Levin is the author of the book, In the Hole. This novel is a story depicting a child's experience with homelessness. Ben has been in love with stories ever since he was a little boy. Ben is also proud to be autistic and wants to use his status as an author to be an example of how autism is not a setback, but a gift. Autism is not a curse is one of Ben's favorite sayings. Ben will share with us his personal story of accepting his autism and how his writing is an important piece of self-acceptance. Today's Autistic Moment 
is a proud Autism Acceptance Partner in 2022 with the Autism Society of Minnesota. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment. Well, Michelle, I think uh, this has been an, a very informative conversation, and uh, we aren't solving all the problems today, but I think that it's so important for um, us as autistic individuals to talk about these things with each other, connect with other autistics, and also to kind of share these stories across the, the podcast world because uh, this is how people learn exactly what are what all these challenges we live with um so i i, I really uh thank you for this and um um we are definitely going to continue our advocacy on behalf of of, of postmenopausal women um if you have not i'm talking to my audience here if you have not visited uh, Dr. Regan's um, website um, that um, and Dr. Regan does a tremendous amount of work on behalf of autistics over the age of 50 in their geriatric years as they say um, I really do invite you to go to my uh, adult autism resources links page and go um sorry um there's a link there for autism in adults by dr regan it will take you to her page um and then uh dr regan has a phenomenal podcast that really is worth listening to um because she um is so articulate and eloquent with how she communicates that information. Um, so I, I really encourage my listeners to go to my adult autism resources links page. And once again, look for autism in adults, sorry, autism in the adults, Dr. Teresa Regan. Michelle, thank you so much for being here. And, and I do hope that um, this has been helpful for and to you. And um, I just want to say I applaud your work on your own behalf on on your own behalf for your own advocacy and um, and thank you so much for sharing your story here today. Well, thank you again for inviting me, and um, I'm back on the advocacy trail more so for myself now in hopes that it will benefit the masses because I've got to hell and back yeah i just don't want to see someone else have the struggles that i have yeah that's yeah. what we've been for yeah so, i I, to I totally agree yeah it's some 
yeah, that's why it's so important to pass these stories on. Okay, right. Michelle, thank you so much. Again, thank you. And um, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. You can now find the links for all events announced in today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board by going to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board forward slash. The Ordinary Marathon Foundation invites autistics from the ages of 15 to 24 to participate in actually autistic athletes. The program will include one set of shoes, shorts, socks, shirt, one pair of running shoes, a running band, and one-on-one -on -one coaching from a certified athletic coach for up to six months. Go to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board forward slash and click on Actually Autistic Athletes for more information and to apply anytime, but especially now through mid-April. Driving with Autism is a supportive webinar that offers autistic adults the opportunity to learn about driving with the uniqueness of autistic people in mind. Go to AutismDriving.com to learn about the program and sign up for the Autism Preparatory Virtual Driver Training Classes. The link will also be available on todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board forward slash. Understanding Autism Virtual Classes will be offered by the Autism Society of Minnesota. These classes are perfect for autistic individuals, caregivers, those who want to understand the basics of autism and support autistic people. Classes will be held on April 18th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. and May 16th from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Classes are free of charge but you must register to attend. On Tuesday, April 12th, from 7 to 9 p.m., Kendall Magger will present a virtual skill shop at the Autism Society of Minnesota entitled Online Dating from Profile to Potential Relationships. Many unspoken rules come with dating and even more with online dating. Learn about some special rules as well as how to set up an online dating profile, discuss some popular online dating apps, how to prepare for a date, and how to clarify and communicate what you want from online dating. On May 10th, from 7 to 9 p.m., Alyssa Pereo will present a virtual skill shop at the Autism Society of Minnesota entitled Communicating Consent and Boundaries. Knowing how to communicate boundaries and consent can be a struggle at times. Learn what healthy consent and boundaries look like and how to tell if consent is happening to ensure boundaries are respected. Answer and ask questions, read through scenarios, and gain new skills to help you communicate in a healthy way. To get more information about these and other events at the Autism Society of Minnesota, please go to ausm.org. You can also go to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board forward slash 
and click on the Autism Society of Minnesota to register for their events. Registration is now open to attend the 2022 Minnesota Autism Conference April 27th through the 29th, 2022 at the Hyatt Regency in Bloomington, Minnesota. There will be both in-person and virtual events offered. Go to AUSM.org for more information and to register. Today's Autistic Moment is sponsored in part by Looking Forward Life Coaching. Looking Forward turns stumbling blocks into stepping stones towards success. Go to LookingForwardLC.org for more information. Lastly, while all of the spots for ads during the podcast itself are full, you can join Looking Forward Life Coaching and have your business or organization mentioned at the end of each podcast show. If you would like to have your business or organization mentioned, have questions or comments about today's autistic moment, please send an email to p-k-l-o-w-e at todaysautisticmoment.com. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. May you have an autistically amazing day.